All right, so who knows this phrase? Sticks and stones may break my bones. Wow, that was not unified. All right, let's try it again. All right, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Who actually believes that? Anybody? I see no hands. I see zero hands out there. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may, will never hurt me. We all know that that is a big, bold-faced lie. Uh, words do hurt. And the, the thesis of this morning, if you will, the, the, the thing that I believe 100% and truthfully is that words are powerful. Uh, if you're taking message notes, that's the very first thing straight out of the gate. It's that words are powerful. They have the power to shape us into who we are. We all have been shaped by different words we have experienced in our lives. If you were playing sports growing up, the words, you're not good enough to start or you're not good enough to make the team probably had some sort of impact upon you. When you built up the nerve to ask that pretty girl out and she said the word no, how did that impact you? When you built up the nerve to ask and she said yes, how did that impact you? There are words that shape the entire meaning of our lives. We have words like, will you marry me? which creates some sort of feeling, good or bad, depending on how you receive it. We have words such as, you are fired, which, depending on the circumstances, may relieve you or it may uh, absolutely ruin everything that you experience in life. The words that we hear have the power to shape us, the power to shape our understanding of the world and our experience of life. There was a guy who was a pastor, and he, he's a pastor of a large church, but he waited until he was in his 50s to start the church, because when he was younger, he was on the, the college speaking tour, and he was speaking at all these colleges for all these young adult events, and was gaining a lot of influence in the world, and as he went along, he had people tell him, oh, you'll never be the pastor of a church. Because you just don't have the right gifting to be a pastor of the church. What you have is the gifting that's good for what you're doing. So you're, you're just not going to be able to do the church thing. And so he believed that for years and years and years and years and said, I can never be a pastor of a church. And then when he was in his 50s, he said, you know what? I keep feeling God tugging me to do this. I'm going to disregard that word that shaped me earlier in my life. I'm going to do it anyway. His name's Lou Giglio. He's a pastor of a church called Passion City in Atlanta that's one of the largest churches in the southeast. I remember when I was on a mission trip to Brazil, there was uh, one of my favorite people in all the world. Um, I call him Pastor Wesley. 
uh, not out of disrespect for not wanting to say his last name, but because I have no idea how to say his last name. But Pastor Wesley was this crazy guy who was just real energetic. He had kind of a crazy <laughs> kind of laugh, and he was real enthusiastic. And I was there with a the mission team, and on the first night, I had to get up and I had to preach. And after that message, he came up to me and he grabs me by the shoulders and he goes, you're the next Billy Graham. And I said, you have lost your mind. And he said, no, you are going to be this great preacher, this great preacher in American Methodism. I said, I don't even want to go into the ministry. I just want to go teach at some school or something. He said, no, you are going to be this great evangelist and this great preacher. And I, I said, yes, sir. And by the end of it, I believed him. I, I was just, he kept going and kept going. And I don't think I'm going to be Billy Graham level, but I, I here I am trying it out. We'll see what happens. But words have this power to shape us. They have this power to impact our lives. And, and the challenge for each one of us in this place is all of us are shaped by the power of words. What words are we allowing to shape us? There's a movie that came out a few years back. We're going to watch about a two-minute clip of it. And it's called The Book of Eli. And the book of Eli was a story about Denzel Washington, and he is making this cross-country trip with a book that he is protecting, that he is intentional about getting it to where it needs to go. And as he's carrying this book across country, he's facing a lot of challenges. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic, if I can say that word, world in which there has been a great war, there have been great challenges, there have been great famines, and he is dedicated to this task. Let's watch this clip. If we had the right words, if we had the right words, the book, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, is a Bible. And a completely evil man, Carnegie, the guy who did most of the talking in that scene, understood that the words within that book had the power to do something incredible. Now, his intentions were misguided. But if someone that is evil can look at the Bible and recognize that the power within those words has the power to do something incredible and to change society, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Now, the question for us is why should we listen to this word? If words are going to shape us, if words have power, what is it about this word that we are called to listen to? I think the first thing is we have to consider the source. We have to consider the source. I remember when I was on a ski trip when I was in high school, I had a friend named Ross, and Ross was uh, a bit crazy, a bit crazy. And he would do daring things, and he would do things that I wouldn't advise anyone to do. And we were on this trip, and we had gotten these trays out of the lunchroom at the ski place we were skiing at. And the idea was we could take the lunch trays, and we could sit on them and slide downhill. Sounds completely like a good idea, right? It was not a good idea. So we, we had these, and we were sliding down the little bunny trails with them, and we, where they would go, and they would start the skiers out, we would just go down those. Well, he found this spot that was up this hill, 
And as it went down this hill, there were all these trees that were kind of obstacles along the way, but it was a great hill, and he found a path he felt like was safe for us to go down. And so he goes up, and he goes down this really steep hill, and he comes, and he just flies straight through, and he gets up. He's like, Anthony, you've got to do it. It'll be the greatest experience of your life. And I said, are you sure? Are you sure? And he said, yes, it's awesome. It's incredible. And I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. It looked a little dangerous. He said, it's completely safe, completely fine. And so I took a tray, and I made the trek up to the top of this hill, and I sat down on that tray, and I went sliding down that hill. And I'm not going to get into graphic details, but let's just say I hit a bump, and I went flying, and my legs were like that. And it's a good thing that I still feel as though I lived um, through that. And it's a good thing that... Um, there wasn't a certain kind of damage done in the process. And so I went and I popped up and I came really, really close to doing a lot of damage in the process. And I, I just remember looking up and thinking, you said it was safe. You said it was safe. You have to consider the source. This is a guy who like, you know, goes and jumps off cliffs just for the heck of it. And he'll go running out into traffic just because, because for some reason he doesn't die. He's like one of those video game characters that just has a million lives. Um, But he said, it's completely safe. And I believed him. But when it comes to words that we're going to believe, words that we're going to allow to shape our lives, you have to consider the source and you have to go with someone whose word is trustworthy. And that's the thing about Scripture. That's the thing about God's word is that it is trustworthy. And in James, which is the book that we are starting to launch through today, There are scriptures that point towards this. Scriptures that talk about how this is a trustworthy word. This comes from a trustworthy source. Verses about halfway through 17 through the first part of 18 of chapter 1 says this. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all. He chose to give us birth by his true word. It's trustworthy. It comes from a source that we can believe. It comes from a source that does not shift, that does not change as the world changes. It comes from a source that is stable, that is holy, and that is immovable. We should listen to it if it's trustworthy. And that's the second thing that James gets to in this chapter. He says, listen to the word. And and this is the part where he talks about that in verse 19 and 21. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. In verse 24, therefore with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness, and welcome the word deeply planted within you, inside you, the very word that is able to save you. Now, the first part of that, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. Now, I'm going to give you a life tip. Um, This is something that I have learned along the way, and some of you have uh, been on the journey of life a little longer than I, and you might already have figured this one out. But the quicker you are to listen, the easier it is to listen. The slower you are to speak when someone is talking to you, the easier it is to hear what they have to say. 
Now, our tendency, I don't know if you've ever been around people like this, is when you go to say something to them, they immediately start talking over you before you're able to get everything out that you're trying to say. Um, It is really hard to listen if you are talking at the exact same time. How many of you have ever experienced that? Anybody? Uh, If you are talking at the same time as someone else, how effectively can you hear what they are saying? And that is the call, essentially, that James makes to the people that he is writing to, is if you will take the time to slow down, be quick to listen, but slow to speak, slow to grow angry. I don't know if you've ever been in conversations like this, but um, the people will just start kind of talking over each other, and then it starts to escalate, and before long, they're, they're yelling at each other, Um, And there isn't a single one um, that is actually doing any listening. Because when we we are slow to listen and quick to speak and quick to grow angry, uh, it becomes really difficult to hear what is being said. And if we would slow down and hear what is being said, it might actually make a difference. But James says, let's take a different approach. Be quick to listen. Be intentional about listening. Listen to the word. Listen to others. Listen to what is being said. Instead of doing as our tendency is, instead of listening to what everyone else has to contribute to the conversation, we're so quick to jump in our own interjections. But if we would be quick to listen, slow to speak, what difference might that make in our lives? And the second part of that passage, uh, verse 21, says to set aside the moral filth, the growth of wickedness, and to welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save you. Essentially means to let it invade our lives, let it shape our lives, let it be that powerful word that is overtaking us Because this word has that very power to save us. And with that, we allow it to shape our morality. We allow it to shape our actions. Which he jumps into in the next verse, and it's this. Uh, I know this is grammatically incorrect, but this word is a verb. Word, we know, is a noun. But in this case, this word that James is talking about is a verb. And he says it this way in verse 22. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. In other words, these are words that are meant to be lived out. These are words that are meant to be done. Now, this is not as foreign of a concept as you might think that it is. Uh, Last week, I was at... Um, a large, extremely large middle school convention at the Georgia Dome um, last Saturday night. There were middle schoolers all over. Um, There were also other ages there. uh, Different families were there as well uh, because Taylor Swift was there. And so um, we were there for the Taylor Swift concert. Emma and I were helping chaperone the event. Um, And we were enjoying the music um, and here, here's the thing about being at a concert. Perhaps you've experienced this at sporting events as well. When Taylor Swift says, hey, everybody scream louder, you know what everybody does? They scream louder. 
uh, when Sean Mendez, who opens, um, opened the concert, he's got one song that's on the radio, and all the middle schoolers there knew it. And so when he got to uh, the part, um, um, oh, how's it go? It's, uh, um, when I'm without your kisses, I'll be needing, anybody? Stitches. Okay, there are 12 of you. That's great. All right, so um, when I'm without your kisses, and then he would go, sing it out! And everybody in the crowd would sing, I'll be needing stitches. And it was just like this amazing thing where Sean Mendez, a 17-year-old boy from Canada of all places, is up on stage with a guitar, and he says, sing it, and 56,000 people listen to him. They do what he said to do. And that is what James calls us to be, is people who do what the Word says. When the Word says, do this, we are called to do what it says. And here's the reason why. is because this Word, this powerful Word, this Word that has the power to shape our lives in a positive way is transformational. Verse 25 says it this way, but there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. And the image that James works with is the image of a mirror in verses 23 and 24. And he sets it up as though a person would go and look in a mirror and forget what they look like immediately. If we don't do the word, if we just merely listen to it, it's like those who walk and they look in a mirror, and then when they walk away, they have no idea what they look like. Now, we're going to show a picture up on the screen. This is from uh, exactly, this is me, on this day, at this hour, two years ago, okay? Um, I was on the Atlanta News, and a friend of mine took a picture of this. This was the day that I got my iPad Air. Uh, I was in a Verizon store in Atlanta, and I bought my iPad Air. And my title for all of Atlanta to know was Anthony McPhail, iPad Air owner. Uh, yes, I, I, I have business cards made up that say that. But here, here's the reason that I have this picture up there, is you can see... If you look very closely through the grainy, this was taken on a TV, so it's kind of hard to see. But you can see that I am starting to grow in around the goatee. I'd had the goatee since sophomore year of college, but I was starting to grow in uh, their hair. And then by the end of the month, uh, this next picture, this is from before a Georgia-Kentucky game, back when Georgia still had an offense. You can see that I have grown a full beard. Now, here's the thing. It's been two years since I grew a beard. When I go and look in the mirror, you know what happens when I walk away? I remember I have a beard. Um, I never forget that I have a beard. I've had it for two years. And every time I look in the mirror, there's that reminder that I have a beard. It's been two years. I remember it. And yet there are so many of us that hear the word of God over and over and over again for two years, for 20 years, for 30 years, for 50 years, and we still forget what it calls us to do. And here is what it means when we do the Word. 
Our lives are transformed. Everything about us is transformed. Our morality is changed. Our actions are changed. And finally, the last point is this, is that this word is all-encompassing. Verse 27 says it this way, true devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows and their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. To be about people of action, people of service, caring for those, the orphans and the widows, those that cannot care for themselves in that society and to keep the world from contaminating us, to keep the world according to the moral compass that's laid out in Scripture. We allow it to invade our lives. We allow it to be all-encompassing. We allow it to shape everything that we do because we realize that it has the power to change us and the power to change the world. There's a story, I've told it before, but it's so good, it's worth retelling. And it's a story about, it's an old legend about a woman named Sophia. And this woman... She lived around the time that the printing press was invented. And uh, it was still extremely expensive to print. But she had this vision from God that she was going to translate the word of God into the language of the people of her village. And they had never heard the word of God. And so she was going to raise the money in order to buy the equipment needed to print it. And in order to hire the theologians to do the translating for her. And so what she did is she went and she sold everything that she had. What few possessions she had, she sold them all. And then she had to go and she had to do some work. And she kept working. And she went and, and she realized that there were all these things that she was doing and she was working and she was working and after 15 years she finally, after selling everything that she had, she had the money that she needed to get the Bible printed. Around that same time there was a flood that devastated the region and so she had to put the project on hold. That money could be better spent. Let's care for the needs. Let's help rebuild the town. And so Still remembering her vision, she went another nine years, working as hard as she possibly could, living on the streets, just so that she could put every single dime aside for this project. And at the end of nine years, when she almost had enough money to do it again, there was a plague that killed off many of the adults and many of the children in the area. And so instead of translating the Bible instead of printing the Bible she took that money and she helped build orphanages in the community so that the people in need could be cared for many years went by after that and just at the end of her life she had enough money again to pull it off and they translated the word of God they translated it so that everyone in her area could be reached by the word of God. But here's the thing. They'd already been reached by the word of God. The people in that area said she actually succeeded with her project three times. 
first two times were more beautiful than the last. Because here's the thing. When we allow that word to change us, when we allow that word to be the word that has the power to transform our lives, then it has the power to transform the world. Where everyone around us understands what that word means and who we are called by and who we are created by. Because we have been called by the Father of lights, that good, good Father that we sang about earlier, who showers down blessings upon us, the Lord of the heavenly lights. We have been shaped by that. We have been equipped by that. And there have been criticisms about the letter to James, the letter of James, saying that it doesn't really talk about salvation, it doesn't really talk about Jesus, it's just, where, where's the gospel in it is the question. Where is the gospel? And I believe that James's answer to that would be the gospel is in us. When we allow the gospel to transform our lives, when we allow this word to shape us, that's when the world is overturned by this word. And so this morning, I invite you to reflect on these questions that are printed in the bottom of your message notes. In what ways might you be too quick to speak and too slow to listen? What part of the word are you missing as a result of that? What are you hearing and then forgetting as soon as you walk away from it? What is God calling you to do? And then finally, how might God be calling you to be a doer of the word? Is it something in your action? Is it something in your your moral makeup that you know is not aligned with what God's best plan is for you? And you keep walking astray and you keep going down that path because the words that you are listening to, whatever words it might be, do this and you'll get ahead or, or go Go this direction. Hang out with this group because that's what you need to get where you need to be in life. As you listen to those words, as you allow those words to shape you, are you being led astray? Is there another word that might be calling you home that would be God's best for you? Or is it those that are in need that you look at and you pass every day um, and you you say, well, I'm, I'm committed to the gospel. I'm in church every week. But are you actually doing what the gospel called you to do, to experience in your own life that Christ has been crucified, Christ has been risen from the grave for you and for them and for the salvation of the world as we show the love of Christ to it? This morning as we close, the worship team from the Wesley Foundation is going to come back up and lead us. And there might be things that are on your heart that God is calling you to, to pray about this morning. And something that we're going to move to uh, in our services is to have a time where you are able to pray with someone. And so this morning, we're going to have myself and a few other people that are trained and a part of our altar prayer team, and they're going to be kind of waiting on the sides. And we invite you to come and pray at the altar You can pray about how God might be calling you to to live out something uh, more clearly in your life. Or it might be something completely unrelated to what we talked about this morning. It might be an illness. It might be a sickness. It might be 
uh, loss of work. It might be a struggling business. Whatever it is that God uh, has just, it's just been weighing on your heart and God's been trying to break through, we want to invite you to feel welcome to speak to one of us and uh, we'll be happy to pray with you. And so as we close our service, uh, the, the team's going to lead us in a, a song or two. And I just want to invite you as we close out our service to spend time in prayer. Um, you don't have to pray with anyone. The altar's open to whoever wants to come. If you would, please just come at this time as we stand to sing.